Good morning. Chapter 7 marks a shift in the narrative. Up to this point, Paul addressed issues that had been brought to his attention by someone else. Remember, he mentioned hearing from Chloe's people in chapter 1. Now he will address questions that the Corinthians themselves had asked him in a letter. We don't have the letter, and Paul doesn't repeat the questions, so we are only able to get a sense of the questions from the answers that Paul gives. The first set of questions are related to marriage, and it shouldn't be surprising that the Corinthians struggled with sexual immorality, given that they clearly didn't understand biblical marriage. I also recognize that some of the things in these passages might be controversial and people may disagree on them, so I'm going to be as sensitive as possible in handling them. Listen now as I read 1 Corinthians 7 verses 1-11. through Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I am myself, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. We know from what Paul has already said that sexual immorality was a problem in the church at Corinth. We also know that they were confused generally about issues related to the body. There were two common errors in the ancient world related to the body. Some argued that it didn't matter what you did with your body, since we are essentially spirits or souls. To these, only the soul matters. Others, however, went the other direction and argued that the body needed to be brought into submission, and as such, they denied themselves all bodily pleasures. Paul has already addressed the error of the first group. Now it seems he will turn his attention to correcting the error of the second group. They, it seems, taught that everyone needed to avoid all sexual relations, including married couples. Paul says in verse 1 that it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. This sounds like Paul is making a declarative statement about marriage and sex, but that is probably not the case. Paul is probably parroting what some in the church believed and wrote to him in their letter. As has already been mentioned, there was probably a group in the church that advocated absolute celibacy, even in marriage. Paul had already condemned their immorality outside of marriage, but he certainly is not commanding absolute celibacy for everyone. He agrees that it is good, but he certainly doesn't prescribe it for everyone, as will become clear in a moment. But Paul also understood that God designed sex, and that because of that, people have natural desires. It is better than to marry, so those desires don't result in a slip into immorality. Paul goes on to talk about the responsibilities that married couples have to one another. I'm not going to go into details, but want to point out that what Paul says is that the marriage relationship ought to be the ultimate expression of the command given in Philippians 2.3, 
to treat others as more important than yourselves. Husband and wives make vows to one another. In those vows, they promise to treat the needs of their spouse as primary, to give of themselves for the sake and well-being of another. This relationship is also a picture to the world of the relationship Christ has with the church. That is why husbands are commanded in Ephesians 5 to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and wives are commanded to submit to and respect their husbands. Jumping now to verse 6. Paul makes a concession, but wants them to be clear that it is not a command. Paul will actually make a number of concessions in this section. First, he said that he wished everyone was like him. Paul was single and obviously able to exercise self-control and refrain from sexual immorality. But he also recognized that each person has their own gift and must act in accordance with their ability. Next, Paul gives a word to the unmarried and to the widows. He says it is good for them to remain single. This is not a command, but simply a word of wisdom. I won't say more now, since Paul will return to this theme later in chapter 7. But Paul also understood that not everyone could be like he was, and some may possess strong physical desires. Even though he says they cannot exercise self-control, I don't believe he is presenting that as a flaw, and he's certainly not presenting it as a sin. But he says that it would be better for them to marry than to burn with passion. There are certainly some passions that Paul would say have to be kept under control, but the urge to marry and be physically united to a spouse is not one of those desires. Paul then speaks to those who are married. Paul says that this charge is not from from him, but from the Lord. This doesn't mean that we should disregard what he said previously. What he is saying here is that he is simply repeating Jesus' own teaching on the issue. Paul, of course, is speaking of the ideal, and this isn't the only thing the Bible says about divorce. Nonetheless, what Paul says here ought to be the goal for anyone who is married. Wives are told not to separate from their husband, and if they are separated, the command is to stay unmarried or be reconciled to their husband, and husbands are commanded not to divorce their wife. As I said earlier, marriage is the ultimate expression of counting another as more important than yourself. As the people of God, we need to strive to make our marriages what God designed them to be. That doesn't always happen, but we can thank God when it doesn't, that he always offers his people grace and mercy. Today, I just want to offer a general prayer for our school. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the way that you have guided us and protected us. We thank you, too, for your word that instructs us. Uh, often, uh, it challenges our presuppositions. It may challenge us uh, in a place where we struggle, where we um, tend towards sin. And I pray when it does that, that we would hear uh, your word, and that your spirit would guide us into truth so that we might be conformed uh, to the image of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to pray for the school year as we are reaching the end of this first quarter. Pray for the Jogathon, even though it's a different kind of year. I pray uh, that a lot of money would be raised for financial aid. Pray for our homecoming. I pray that, again, even though it isn't exactly what we would hope it would be, uh, that the students would still uh, enjoy it and be refreshed by it uh, and just appreciate the fact uh, that they get to be at a school like Geneva. We thank you for this day. We pray that you would use us today for your glory and for the good of your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.